0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see My name is Rick Renner, and I want to welcome you back to Home Group. We're going to have such a good time tonight as we're going to see what are principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, I remember before the presidential election, of 2008. I was flying in a plane, I looked out the window, I was praying for the United States and suddenly I saw something in the Spirit. It was like an open vision. And I saw the sky filled with dark, it looked like dark smoke that was just whirling, just whirling and whirling over the nation and bursts of light trying to come up through the dark smoke. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, There is a battle taking place for the soul of this nation. Principalities and powers are hovering over the nation, but God's people will prevail. They will burst through the darkness. I saw that. And it was such a vivid demonstration to me of spiritual warfare. And when you study the Bible, the Bible's filled with spiritual warfare. For example, in Daniel chapter 10, the Bible tells us that Daniel prayed and he waited and he waited and he waited for the answer. And finally the angel came. And the angel said, Daniel, I would have been here a lot quicker, but on the way, I had to deal with spiritual opposition. And it mentions the prince of Persia, the prince of Greece, several princes, and it's referring to spiritual principalities. And in fact, the verse says, Michael, the archangel, came back to hold them back so that Daniel's answer could get to him. So even in the book of Daniel, we clearly see vivid spiritual warfare And guess what, Denise and Paul, there is warfare taking place right now for the soul of the nation. The enemy is raging warfare to take the nation, and not just the United States, but every nation. But the power of God will prevail. Even if it looks like the devil has a victory, it's going to be very short-lived. Because Jesus is coming, as we've seen in previous programs, when he comes, that word coming means he is the one that has the authority and the power to put everything in line. He's going to put everything in order when He comes. But we have a role, and our role is to pray and to exercise spiritual authority right now. We can affect the life of our church, the life of our city, the life of our state, the life of our nation. We can affect our families, our spouses, if... We know how to do spiritual warfare. Isn't that powerful, Denise?
1: It's very powerful, and it, it, it acknowledges the power of God inside of us, it, that, that it's real, and that we have power. We don't have to just bow to every problem and every trial and every thing that the devil throws at us, just bow to it like, "Oh, this is terrible." No. We need to stand up.
0: It bows to us and the recognize the
1: power of God in
0: us. Amen.
1: And say to that principality, you're not ruling over me or my family or my children because, friend, you have that kind of power. But we have to stand up and take it. I know that's true.
0: Hey, Denise, welcome to Home Group. Oh,
1: yes, that's true too. <laughs>
2: Hi, Rick. And Paul, we're glad you're here. (laughs) Thank you. This is the third day we've been talking about spiritual warfare, and of course, if you haven't read my father's book, Dressed to Kill, that would be a great book to buy right now. I read it in the first edition, which was in 1992, 1993? No, it was before that. Ah!
0: 1991. Yeah.
2: Right, when we moved to the former Soviet Union yeah. was about when it was being published. So I read it in the first edition, which I think the cover in the first edition was really cool. And that, one had, that, that book had pictures. This book also has pictures. This the new book one. has
0: amazing pictures. Yeah. Now, this is a supernatural book. I wrote this book. It was so hard to write this book. This one was hard coming out. I had to really pray over this book. But you know what's amazing about this book? All right, if I publish this in 1991... I mean, this book is getting old. This book sells today like it did in 1991. You know why? Because people need solid teaching about their authority over the devil. There's a lot of homemade remedies, rumors, I don't even mean, old wives' tales about what you need to do to deal with the devil. Just nonsense. Just dismiss all of that. You need to base what you believe on the Bible. Bible. You listen to the renters. We believe in the Bible, but the whole name of the book is You Don't Have to Take It Anymore Because You Are Dressed to Kill, a biblical approach to spiritual warfare and armor. And like Paul said, it has
2: has pictures.
0: Pictures, and look at them. These pictures are so cool. You say, well, what are the pictures of? They are pictures of all kinds of Roman weaponry, just like we have on the table here in front of us tonight. This book is amazing. What a resource. You'll use it and use it and use it. You may want to use it for a Bible study. A lot of Bible schools even use it. It's called a classic on spiritual warfare. Anyway, order it. We've been
2: talking for three days now. This is the third day we've been talking about spiritual warfare, and we have barely even touched the armor of God that He has given us. We've been talking about the power that God gave us. We've been talking about putting on the full armor of God. And today, as far as I understand, now we're going to talk about why we need to be prepared for war and who it is we're fighting.
0: Yeah, today we're going to define the enemy and tomorrow we're going to finally begin discussing the pieces of weaponry. Okay. But hey guys, you ready? Open your Bibles. Do You got your Bibles? Yes, sir. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter six and let's begin today again in verse 11. And it says, put on the whole armor of God. The word hoplion describes the full weaponry of a Roman soldier. There were seven pieces of weaponry and that's what we have all around us on the table. Here's a shield. We've got a spear. We've got a helmet. We've got a breastplate. We've got shoes. We've got greaves. We've got the sword. We've got it all. There were seven pieces of weaponry carried by a Roman soldier. And we saw yesterday, and I want to repeat it again today, that when you come to the very first of verse 11 and it says, put on the whole armor of God, it does not mean that every morning you got to sit on the edge of your bed and say, okay, I'm going to put on my helmet. You know, I just refuse to do that. That is so silly to me. Now, if you need to do that, you go right ahead. To me, that's just silly. But some people do that. Okay, I'm going to put on my helmet. Okay, I'm going to pick up my shield of faith. There they are sitting in their bathrobe. or nearly clothed, and they're pretending like they're holding all this weaponry. Is that how you put on the full armor of God? No, that's not how you put it on. There's a way to put it on and keep it on. You can sleep in it, never take it off. How? (laughs) The first of the verse says put on. Put on in Greek is from the word enduo, which describes an endowment of power, which means... The way you put on the armor of God is by receiving the power of God. And when you receive an endowment of power, when that power hits you, it's not just raw power. The power begins to materialize spiritually and begins to dress you. The power is what puts the helmet on your head. The power puts a sword in your hand, a shield in your hand, a breastplate on your chest. It is the power of God that gives you a loin belt and shoes of peace and a lance to use against the enemy, when you walk in the power of God, you immediately are also walking in the armor of God. Isn't that amazing? And we saw the illustration of Jesus. Jesus was dressed in the whole armor of God when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the river Jordan. Until that moment, I mean, if I can just be really honest, Jesus was kind of like a Christian without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was, he was the son of God. He was Jesus, how can you say that? Well, he was Jesus, the Holy Spirit lived in him. He was God in the flesh, but then he had an experience. Okay. We can live without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus lives in us, the Holy Spirit lives in us, but we don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, just like we do. And when he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, He looked the same naturally, but spiritually something changed. I mean, think about it. It's just logical. Because when he went home to Nazareth, when he walked through the streets of Sepphoris and other places where he had lived his whole life for 30 years, never had a demonic reaction, no demon ever screamed, I know who you are. Now Jesus is wearing the same clothes, the same shoes, has the same hair, everything is the same in the flesh, But now he's walking down the same street and demons are shrieking as he walks down the street. Why? Because when he received that endowment of power, it dressed him spiritually and the demons could see it. Maybe human eyes couldn't see it but the devil could see it. The devil could see it.
2: And water baptism baptism for Jesus was an act of obedience. It was an act of obedience. So it's our act of obedience that gives us the power that we need. And we do things like water baptism. We do things like asking the Lord to fill us with his spirit. We do these things in obedience because we don't exactly know what will happen in our life. There are Plenty of promises that we can base our decision on, but we don't know exactly what will happen when we do what the Lord tells us. But when we do it, when we, when we do something in obedience, there's a blessing that happens.
0: You know, years ago, I was, I was at the ferry station for the Staten Island Ferry mm. in New York City. It was filled with people. And I was sitting there waiting for them to open the gates so we could get on the ferry. And there was a man there that looked like he was demonized to me. I didn't approach him. Really, I didn't do anything. I just looked at him. After a few moments, now the ferry station's packed with all these people waiting for the ferry. That man, doesn't know a thing about me, gets up, walks across the room. He is so demonized. He looked at me and he said, literally, I know who you are. And I know why you're here. Now, I was the only person in the whole ferry station that he addressed. Why? Because that demon could see me. That demon was not impressed with the jacket that I was wearing. That demon saw me in the spirit realm. And in the spirit realm, they saw me sitting there as a warrior dressed in the whole armor of God. That's what happens when you receive an endowment of power from on high. It dresses you with spiritual weaponry and it gives you a new status in the spirit realm. Denise?
1: I'm just thinking how my life was so radically changed after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, like I was I was hearing the Lord talk to me like never before. Like he would say, Don't do this, do this. And then I would do what he said, and it was amazing. I, I even had dreams that, and I prayed for people against what God showed me in the dream, what happened in the dream happened, only the tragedy did not happen to them. I mean, he was really talking to me. I was experiencing things I had never experienced before. And I'd been a Christian for a long time. It absolutely dresses you with power.
0: Oh, it changes you completely.
1: And the word of God all became so, so, so alive to me. And besides that, I started talking to people about Jesus. I I didn't have the nerve to talk to people about Jesus, not with, not like with the conviction. I mean, maybe I was given a program and here, go do this and say that. But after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, Just poured out of you. I had power to witness.
0: Well, you know, in Ephesians 6, verse 11, it says something else very important. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If you feel, now here you are at home, maybe you feel trapped in your house, so many issues right now, and you feel like strife is in your house or sickness has tried to get in your home, maybe it really has. But when you have the power of God and the armor of God, Denise said earlier, you don't have to bow to that. You are suddenly energized to stand against, which means you can say to the devil, you know what? You have crossed the line. This is my house, and I'm going to stand against you, and you can push him back across the line. That's what this weaponry enables you to do. And then when you come to verse 12, Paul describes exactly who we're up against. And when you come to verse 12, Paul says, "...for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places." When you read this in the Greek text, the sentence structure is a little bit different and it's different in a very important way. It says, not for we wrestle not, it says, for the wrestle is to us. Do you know what that means? Every person's going to encounter this. This is not what missionaries experience in Africa or Russia or in Mexico or South America. The wrestle is to us. If you're a child of God, you're a threat to the enemy. And at some point in your experience, you're going to be called into combat with unseen forces that will be marshaled against you for your destruction. That's why Paul mentions this. Nothing in the Bible is written to scare us. Nothing. It's written to prepare us. Well, If you know there's an enemy, what do you do? You deal with him in advance. You get ready. You fortify yourself. Every major nation studies their enemy. Is that stupid or is that smart? That's smart. If you know how your enemy operates then you can stop him from ever operating against you. And Paul here is saying he is real and at some point in your experience probably you're going to be drawn into a conflict with him the wrestle is to us and the word wrestle is the word pale pale pa ya 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 the word pale is where you get the word for the palestra the word palestra was a big local house in every major city called the house of combat sports It was the most grueling athletics that took place where they slugged it out. Some people fought to the death. Paul used that word on purpose. Not trying to scare us, but trying to prepare us. He's literally saying, if you're not prepared, this will be very serious for you. But if you'll get in shape, you can deal with this. So he's really awakening us so that we'll be serious about this and we'll do whatever we have to do to exercise spiritually to really get in shape, receive the power of God, take the armor. He says, because there's an enemy out there. And then he describes the enemy. He says, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, the word principalities is the Greek word archos. The word archos is where you get the word archae or arch, It describes something that is the very highest, 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 like an archbishop. It's where you get the word for archaeology, archas, something that's very, very old. And this word, principalities, describes the highest ranking demonic powers which have held their lofty seats of power since ancient, ancient, ancient times. They're very rooted in their positions. And if you study scripture, you find out that there are ruling spirits over nations. That's what we read in Daniel chapter 10. There was a ruling spirit that was over Greece. There was a ruling spirit that was over Persia, which is today, modern day, Iran, Iraq, that whole region. And by the way, what's happening in that region today? It's not because of recent rulers. It's because of a ruling spirit that has ruled over that region for ancient 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 times for thousands of years what's happening there today is what has always happened there and of course there are many governments who believe that it needs to be fought with bullets and bombs but bullets and bombs do not get rid of principalities mm-hmm. even if you use bullets and bombs the principality remains the face on the earth may change but the principality remains which shows the total futility of just using bullets and bombs you've got to pray. You've got to deal with the spirit realm to remove an evil spirit that has dominated a nation, a principality. Then it says powers. The word powers is the Greek word exousias, a word which describes delegated authority. Those that have received license to do whatever they want to do, wherever they want to do it, and then it says, rulers of the darkness of this world, the Greek word kosmokrateros, the word "cosmos" describes something that is orderly. The word kratos is the word for power. You compound the two words together. The King James Version calls it rulers of the darkness of this world, which is rather a very strange translation. It really describes organized powers, organized, which means the devil's very organized. He's very organized. You know, one day I was praying about this very verse. Denise, remember what the Lord said to me? I was talking about spiritual warfare, talking to the Lord, talking about why I wasn't the church, making better advancements upon the world. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, because the devil has something the church doesn't have. Do you remember that, Denise? Mm-hmm. I remember being so stunned. What could the devil possibly have? that the church doesn't have. And I said, Lord, what is that? Remember what he said? Commitment, organization, and discipline. That's what the church doesn't have. We have more power than the devil, we have more promises, we have the blood, we have everything. But the devil has commitment, organization, and discipline. He is so committed to kill somebody with cancer He'll make them sick and stay right with them for years and years and years and years until he drags them into the grave. He will victimize a young child with perverted, twisted thoughts and work on that child's mind for years and years and years and years and years very slowly, tenaciously to convince that child there's something wrong with him sexually. The devil is very committed. He's very organized. He's very disciplined. While today, statistically... We consider a person, a faithful church attender, if they come to church once a month. Oh, brother! Where is our commitment? Where is our organization? Where is our discipline? In fact, all a pastor has to do, is exercise authority. Oh my goodness! And you find out there is such disrespect as everybody begins railing him for being a tyrant. He's just a dictator. No, he's a pastor, and he's been given spiritual authority, and he can use it. But the church today is just loaded with a lack of commitment, a lack of organization, and a lack of discipline, and that's what the devil has. That's why he's been successful. He didn't have more power. He's just more committed. He's organized. He's disciplined. That's what the church lacks. But, my friend, we can fix that. We can fix that. But when the Bible says, rulers of the darkness of this world, it's organized powers. And then last of all, it says spiritual wickedness in high places. The word wickedness (laughs) is the Greek word paneras. It describes something that is so evil, so vile, it is malevolent. It is malevolent powers. And the Bible says in where? High places. High places. Well, that confuses people because they think all the evil's up in the air. Well, principalities definitely rule over nations in the heavenlies. But this word, high places, is the particular Greek word which describes the air below the mountaintops, the air that we breathe, or our atmosphere, which means demon spirits, once they have been trained and dispatched, they are sent into the lower atmosphere, into our environment, where they can affect the minds of human beings. Remember we said in the last program, what is the target of the devil? Mind. The mind. They come down low where they can blind eyes so they can't see, dull minds so they can't think, fill them with delusional thoughts, fill their minds with lies. The devil's after the head. Now, many years ago when I wrote Dress to Kill, Denise, do you remember why I wrote Dress to Kill? Do you remember why I wrote this book? It was an answer To a lot of nonsensical teaching that was going on when people were teaching that there's evil powers in the heavenly realms go
1: up in helicopters and to deal
0: with deal with the devil to deal with those powers you got to get up into the heavens so people were renting the top of skyscrapers to get up closer to the sky to do spiritual warfare some people were having spiritual warfare helicopter rides
2: i recently just watched a helicopter prayer ride just the other day
0: well i'm going to tell you it's ridiculous it
2: was like an anti-coronavirus prayer helicopter thing.
0: Back in those days they were even chartering planes so people could get up as high as possible to do spiritual warfare. Well first of all if they didn't do it in the Bible you don't need to do it. The Apostle Paul never had a helicopter. The Apostle Paul never chartered a plane to do spiritual warfare. There's not even any evidence in the Bible that they prayed on the top of the mountains to deal with the devil. They weren't trying to get up high. Well, What are the high places that you really need to be concerned with. Okay, listen clearly. Are you ready? The highest place that I think you need to deal with is the place between your ears. This is the high place in your life. If the devil dominates this place, you're in trouble. Now, if you want to pray for nations, you can deal with principalities. But when you deal with this level and you deal with people, you have to preach the gospel. And that's why the preaching of the gospel and the preaching of the Bible is so powerful. It is the strongest level of spiritual warfare that takes place. It really is. You can pray all day long, but if you don't preach the gospel, real warfare has not occurred. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It is a double-edged sword. It splits what people think. It pierces to their soul and their mind and their spirit. It rips off their blinders. It's the Word of God that brings light. And the mind is where the greatest level of spiritual warfare takes place on this realm. And that's one reason why. The devil has lured many pastors to really quit teaching verse by verse. He's luring them into distractions because the Bible brings light. The Bible brings light. My friend, if you're a partner with this ministry, you need to know we are totally committed to what I'm talking about right now. It is the Bible that brings light, that sets men free. And like
2: you said yesterday, the Bible is the only piece of the armor that, that is manifestly manifested, and you can see it and touch it. Everything else we know we have, and we can learn about it, but the Bible is what Paul called the loin belt. It's what keeps everything together. It's what everything hangs on. It's what holds it all together. So we have the Bible, and what I like to say is the Bible is the most powerful tool for change in your life. Why wouldn't you read it if you really understood that it is the most powerful tool God has given you to bring change into your life?
0: Not just your life, nations. Amen. Look at the course of history. Nations have been changed when the Bible comes.
2: Or think about
0: today in parts of the world where there are tyrants. What do they eliminate? The Bible. Get rid of that Bible. Confiscate all those Bibles. They don't want Bibles in homes, or in society, because they are fearful of the Bible. It is God's sword. You know, if you have a Bible, you don't even have to have a preacher. If you just read the Bible, God will save you. He'll change you. You'll see that truth in the Word of God will set you free. Think about Martin Luther. Yes, The world was in spiritual darkness in Europe, but the Bible spoke to Martin Luther's heart, and with one word from the Bible... One word from God, history was split in half. Wow. Dark Ages and immediately Reformation. One word from God totally changed human history. Now, let me ask you, was that spiritual warfare? Absolutely. People walked out of spiritual bonds. It was the Bible. What do you think of that, Denise?
1: Oh, I think that the, we have great power in the spirit and we have authority when you see that the devil's trying to destroy somebody that you love your husband your wife your child your mother your father and you know that the enemy's trying to destroy them my friend you don't have to sit by and watch it you can take authority in the name of jesus he has dressed you with power and armor everything rick is saying This armor of God is real. And you can stand up to the devil and say, you will not destroy my child. You will not destroy my spouse. You have that authority.
0: You can push it back across the line.
1: Absolutely. You can push it back and you can say, you you can come this far and you're going no further. You have authority.
2: But you have to know what your authority is. You have to know where the lines are supposed to be drawn. That's true. You have to know what power you have in order to do that. You have to know who is it that's crossing the lines. We haven't even talked about the armor yet, Mm -mm. but before you can even talk about how to use the armor that God has given, you have to know where the lines are. You have to know what your authority is. You have to know who it is you're standing against. These are basic things, but... You know, and I, and so to many know, know that God is,
1: to know that God is with you. God has done everything to deliver that person mm. that that you love. God, as we. As we join forces with God, as, as we agree with him, as we agree with the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we are partners with the Holy Spirit to do warfare against what the devil is trying to do to that person.
0: You know, Kenneth Copeland often says, if, if you're sick, you're not the sick trying to get well. You are the well, the healed of the Lord, that the devil's trying to make sick. That's an example of the devil crossing the line. If sickness is trying to come into your life, it's not yours. You are the healed of the Lord. That's a thief that's trying to enter your life, but you have everything you need to push it back across the line. Amen. But when you come to verse 13, in response to all of this, Paul says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Paul does not say, oh me, oh my, this is so bad. We're under such attack. He says, hey, come on, throw your shoulders back, hold your head high, pick up that armor, walk in the power of God. You are anointed to deal with any issue. If anything tries to cross the line into your life, you have all the goods to push it back across the line. That's right. Wow, we're out of time. This is so good, but I want to tell you, that we're going to be back tomorrow. We're going to pick up in verse 13. But Father, in the name of Jesus, amen. we thank you for the power of God. We thank you for the armor amen. of God that we've got everything we need to keep the devil out and to push him out. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remember amen. Psalm 4-8. Tonight, you're going to lay down in peace and sleep and the Lord's going to keep you safely and we'll see you in tomorrow's home group. If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.